0: Look at this look at this oh my goodness me uh, what a room what a room what a bunch of people i feel like it might be in a dream so i might just check that i'm fully clothed at different po- points of this evening because uh dame sean hello hello dame sean come on dame sean phillips is here come on I've just seen Liam Williams, all right, I can't look over there, I can't look over there. Liam Williams is in the house. (laughs) Hero. Welcome to BAFTA, welcome to Wales Week. Welsh people, hello. 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 Is London treating you well? Mm. (laughs) Okay, let's, (laughs) it takes a bit of getting used to, you know it's very like home just the the buses work better but the, but our songs are better so you know swings and roundabouts you might walk into a bar and all of a sudden they start speaking english <gasps> don't let it get you don't let it get you they were probably speaking english before you got there here we are good one that one go on that one so uh here we are Have we got Taryn edgerton fans in tonight yeah! fantastic. Is there a name for Taron Egerton fans? Is there a name for Taron Egerton fans? Just Taron Egerton fans. Done nothing. We just love him. That's amazing. Well, we love him too. He grew up in a small Welsh town, Um, uh, which is called, you know, the Church of St. Mary next to the pool where the white lilies grow, next to the St. Salior Church where the red red cave... Oh, San for short. Uh, and then he was whisked off to the dizzy heights of Aberystwyth. <laughs> 54 pubs now in Aberystwyth. 54 pubs. That's a long year. That's a long year. It doubles up at Christmas, so it's fine. Uh, my name is Kellen Jones. Uh, we're here to celebrate a shining light that is Taryn Edgerton. You know, he is our Richard Burton. He could be our James Bond, maybe, the you know, the next Welsh James Bond. Um, and this, uh, it's a real honour to be here because uh, it has just been glorious to watch this star rise, his talents sort of grow and grow in front of our eyes. So before we bring him out, because you don't want to listen to my rambling for too long, but I will say, let's have a look at his little showreel. You might recognise a few of his things, but this is, I, I love saying this, but... Carol Vorderman, hello? Hello! Ah! Oh. <laughs> still dressed, still dressed. Carol Vorderman, will you give us a roll of VT? Five, four, three, two, one. Five, four, three, two, one, two! There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the Kingsman, he is Eddie the Eagle, he is Rocket Man, Taryn Edgerton! Oh, that's a, oh.
1: It's a lot warmer in here, isn't it? I mean it's, it's, it's yeah. Yeah, it feels good to be home. Thank you guys. It's lovely.
0: Well, welcome to a little candlelight supper. Wow, <laughs> I'm staggered. Thank you all for coming. I can't
1: believe Carol Valdman's here. <laughs> great to see you. How are you doing, Carol? <laughs> um, thank you. This is truly, truly lovely. Thank you.
0: It's so nice to have you here. Thanks. I mean, I, I mentioned uh Islam RPG, I mentioned yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Aberystwyth, and uh, this body of work of yours is incredible. It's all inspiring, uh, I, and I want to talk about process, and I want to talk about inspiration, but uh, if we could take you to begin at the beginning. In the words of? Well, somebody, Dylan Thomas. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> to begin at the beginning. Oh. Um where, where was the spark, you know? Where, where did it start? Um, I don't know. I suppose, you know,
1: my my mother designed clothes when she was young, so there's a bit of, you know, there's a kind of creative thing happening there. My father's always made music, and I sort of wasn't really interested in either as a kid, but I, I always loved um, drawing and making things, and, uh, you know, I remember about... And at the age of about nine, I decided I wanted to buy clay. And we bought clay, and I made figurines and weird monsters and animals and things. Um, uh, and that was when I lived on Anglesey. And then fast forward to a few years later...
0: Anglesey, come on. Anyone from Anglesey? <laughs> we got enough for a choir.
1: <laughs> we got enough for
0: a fight. we got enough for a fight.
1: <laughs> You've lost some fans there. <laughs> um, and uh, I... Um, and, you know, and, then if, and basically, I, um, when I was about, uh, my, gr- my grandmother, in the interest of full disclosure, the vast majority of my family are from Liverpool. And uh, whilst I do have some Welsh blood in me, and I'm keen to stress that, um, uh, the, vast, the, the vast number of my immediate family were raised in Liverpool. But my, but all all holidays in Wales when they were very young, and my grandmother when she when she got old, she moved to Aberystwyth, and that, uh, and we and we moved to Anglesey. Um, uh, I'm losing my train of thought now, but uh, yeah, basically we.
0: You don't have to confess that we're claiming you anyway. I mean, you're, you're claim, <laughs> I mean, away. You no, you are you but, are Welsh to us.
1: basically, what I was going to say is that when I was about when I was about 12 or thirteen, my grandmother fell ill, and we moved down to Aberystwyth to be near her, and it was a really. Um, kind of tough time, you know. It's at that age where so much is going on for you anyway. And I struggled to make friends. But, uh, but when I was about 14 or 15, I joined the Aberystwyth Arts Centre Youth Theatre. And it's uh, <laughs> 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 and, it, um, and it absolutely changed my life. I found the thing I wanted to do with my life. I found the friends I was going to have for life. They're still the best friends I have now. Um, they were all with me on my 30s a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it was like everything fell into place. Uh, so I don't quite know where the desire to act came from, but I suppose I've always felt a bit creative, and I've always enjoyed, you know, um, community and sharing things with people and... and communication. And, and communication. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. The old party. You know, I like, that's, who, that's who I am. I like... People, I like being around people. I'm a social animal, I suppose. And that, yeah. Anyway, I'm rambling now, but that's yeah.
0: No, not at all. Because I think it is about communication, finding the clay, finding a, re- a way to s- interact. Yeah. All, all art comes from that need, that desire to communicate. I Absolutely think. right. It's all expression. All yeah. performers sort of can relate to that for sure. You know, and yeah. you know, being born in Liverpool. You know, if you were born in an oven, wouldn't make you a biscuit. So. Uh, that's
1: exactly <laughs> right. Thank you. You know. Quite right too. I'll take
0: that. <laughs> Someone write that down. No, you can have it. <laughs> but I, I think the whole, the, the whole idea of sort of creativity, is sort of absolutely in the DNA of your work, of your performances. Because when I think of a Tarnaghton performance, I, I think this is this is this is a guy that's going to leave everything out there. It's going to be you know, in, it's it's in your body, it's in your uh, emotions, your emotional literacy, and uh, and it comes from that. Down. So. I completely understand that at that moment in time. That's oh, a lovely just thing to say. Out. Thank you. Well, no, it's, it's really there. I, I told you I was late to the Rocket Man party, but, you know, um, you know, Mrs. Jones and I were leaping around uh, the, the, ha- the house this week, and I just was sort of astounded by the commitment, and that's what you want from artists. You know, You personally, you, you, you want to feel them reaching out, and that's what you do with your performances. So what Thank was the you. first performance at without centre.
1: The Aberystwyth without centre, in uh, it would have been uh, probably early two thousand and five. Yeah, two thousand and five. I was fifteen, and um, uh, I joined this youth theatre uh, partly because I knew some of the guys who did it, and I. Um am I sounding funny or am I okay? Um uh, and I wanted to be friends with them basically, but I also had watched other people do these performances and felt a kind of envy, I suppose. And um and they were putting on a Midsummer Night's Dream and I was given the role of flute, and for anyone who's up on their Shakespeare, that character is is a is an actor in the play. There's a play within a play. And that character is is um kind of almost sort of bullied into playing the, f- the, f- the heroine of the piece, the female um, lead character. Uh, and, you know, as a sort of chubby, 15-year-old, fairly insecure kid, that was quite a lot to process. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, after the sort of t- eight to ten weeks of rehearsal or whatever, we went on stage and a lady named Aurel Martin from the Aberystwyth Arts Centre put together this costume for me, and it was comprised of a red cocktail dress very high up.
0: Um,
1: and sort of it is quite, getting hot in here, isn't it? <laughs> it, is, isn't it? <laughs> and um, some quite uh, crude makeup, shall we say, and a sort of little wreath of flowers in my hair. And I stepped out, and it wasn't in the main theatre at the Abbott's Arts Centre, it was in the Round Studio, which is a lovely little studio performance space up by the bar at the Abbott's Arts Centre. And um, I walked out, and I, even at the very last moment, I thought, oh my God, this is, this is it, this is the end of my life. <laughs> I'm 15, Uh, I'm still a virgin and this is the end of my life. And um, uh, I walked out and everyone laughed and I I wasn't, I didn't feel laughed at, I felt laughed with. And Mm. I remember just thinking, I came off stage and it was like, it was the most extraordinary high. And I knew then, I, I knew then, I knew then that this is what I was gonna do in my life.
0: And what was the reaction from your family?
1: Do you know, I would love to be able to claim a romantic story of uh, reluctant parents, but the fact of the matter is, when I was seventeen and I decided to audition for drama school, uh, it, you know, I didn't have any money. You know, we, um, and it's about then it was about forty quid to audition for drama school. I dread to think what it is now. Um, and I, I, I went for five auditions, and my uh, my stepfather, uh, shout out to Guy Evans, my mother, my auntie, my father. Uh, and I paid for one as well. And um, and my stepfather took me down on the train uh, and we stayed in a, um, uh, a hostel in uh, Piccadilly. It was grim. And, um, and, uh, <laughs> and I was for drama school. And so I say this to say that I am blessed in that I've always had a family that have been so incredibly supportive and encouraging of me. And not just incredibly supportive and encouraging, but they were always excited by the idea of me being an actor. And they always... They always, I think they believed, they believed that I was going to make a success of it before I did. I really think that, hundred percent.
0: But that is a romantic story.
1: Yes, in a different it was, way. It like a Dickens novel. In a different no, way, I mean... but but they're amazing. Just just to stress how incredible my family
0: are. But that's any entrance into the arts. It, you know, is is like space travel, isn't it? All the energy yeah. g- gets all the fuel and I think that's I, You burnt know, around. I really,
1: I really, really understand a parent's trepidation about mm. you know a child, particularly in the climate now. You know, it's you know to go into a career in the arts is a scary thing, but. Bloody hell, it's important. It's so so important, and I'm so lucky that my family supported me in that. I had a facility like the Aberystwyth Arts Centre, which was able to nurture that in me. Because without those two things, I wouldn't be where I am now.
0: Incredible. And so, Rada was the college. Yeah.
1: Well, that year that, my, that we went down and auditioned, I didn't. Um, I didn't get. A, I didn't get a recall anywhere. Five five schools. I was really gutted. I probably needed bringing down a peg or two. I think. Um, but the following year, I went back, and I'd been away. I went and volunteered in Kenya for a while, and and sort of grew up really. I got a, I got a proper job for six months uh, to pay for that trip to Kenya, and and really worked. I worked in my auntie's coffee shop in, in Aberystwyth, which is called the Cabin, and I also worked in a, a clothes store called Peacocks. <laughs> Never again. And uh, and I um, and I. Uh, no, it was lovely, actually. It was lovely people. I don't know why I'm saying that's not true. Um, but I... Um, I, Yeah, I think I just... You know, you grow up incrementally, don't you? You have little bits and bursts. And basically, the following year, I think I obviously presented a version of myself that was more appealing to those people auditioning me, and I got a place um, at RADA, and I went when I was 19.
0: With all those experiences in Kenya, so you were there at 19. Your year, was it... I, I I bet you built a, quite a resilience then. Sort of yeah,
1: I it. think you know it's that that you know not getting into drama school was a really, is a really was a really good thing for me. Mm. I think because it sort of teaches you, you know, I think I think you grow through failure and adversity. And at the time, it was em, emotional and and sad. But
0: uh, you know, you get over it. You grow. You come back, and yeah, you get there. You know, absolutely, it's all yeah. about the grit, the yeah, grit and the fire, for sure. So. You're at drama school. You, you, it fits you like a glove instantly, or no, is it
1: a No, shock? I know. I, I, I really struggled, actually. And there was a lady named Pat Myers who was the registrar at RADA, and she actually said she said to me in my first year because I really struggled. She said a lot of the Welsh students suffer because it's a, it is a culture shock, and I felt very much like uh, when I was one of the youngest in the year and everyone felt very assured and worldly. A significant percentage of them had been to uni, a couple of them a bit at Cambridge, and I was a 19-year-old, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, I probably shouldn't swear, but I was, an, I was a sort of 19-year-old kid from Aberystwyth who was, felt pretty unworldly, you know? I'd had this one trip to Africa, but it was, you know, you can't hang your whole existence on that, you know? And... Um, and uh, yeah, I, it took me a while, and I remember it wasn't until my third year and I got in front of an audience that I felt like I really knew where I was. I I think that was a good sign that I felt like when I was in front of an audience, I felt like I knew what I was doing, and before then, I felt like I didn't have a clue. I just, you know, the voice work, the movement, all of that, it, didn't, it only made sense afterwards. And it does make sense, the work that I was taught at Radha, but it fell into place later. Um... So yeah, but I made an incredible two incredible friends there who was, who were both at my thirtieth birthday party. In fact, I, I I Instagrammed a picture of the three of us recently, then and now from two thousand nine to two thousand and nineteen, um, and and they they remain really good friends. And 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 the wonderful thing about Rada is it's based on a the, the course that I did is based on a Stanislavski training, and it's all about as an actor, it's all about listening and responding, and that's all acting is. It's all about play. It's all about responding to what you're offered and responding to external stimuli and and that and that, that one nugget of truth I really felt was important or rather is play it's a dance it's you and me what we're doing now you know to respond that as you know you're an act yourself so you know that that, that was a great thing I learned there
0: and where did you see yourself so as a student what was the uh, what was the dream then
1: uh, i the felt path? I felt that I knew that I wanted singing to feature in my career because I'd been involved in musicals at the Aberystwyth Arts Centre, um, Little Shop of Horrors, 2007. Um, Who did you uh, play? Seymour, obviously.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, um, I. I played the plant in Caribou and Morgan. Nice, but, you know, nice so, Audrey so, too. Yeah, you know. Um, I have to sit with
1: the band. <laughs> we'll do a revival, we'll do a shared revival. Um, but I. Um, what was I saying? I'm boring myself. No,
0: you're not boring. <laughs> Is he boring? <laughs> no, no, What was I no. saying? No, you, you were talking. I said, Where did you see yourself? So you, you wanted Where did you see yourself? Fi- you wanted music and singing to feature. For me,
1: when I was at drama school, there was nothing more um, uh, cool and noble than a great career in theatre, working with great directors, doing great plays, playing great parts. The idea. Of being on the telly was so far flung yeah. and so you know it's no secret that lots of actors don't don't manage to sustain a career leaving drama school so you aspire to work not 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 work in film that's something that happens to other people sure. so i felt like if i was lucky i would be able to work with great directors at great theatres, places like the Almeida and the Royal Court and the National and the Arcola and the Donmar, and those—that was what I aspired to, that career. Occasionally, with a really good advert to pay the mortgage. That's what I really. Want. Yeah. And what was the reality? The reality was I was very, very lucky in that I got a really cool part in the first play I did at Radha. and it was a play. Come on, Taron. <laughs> The House of Special Purpose, which is about um, the last days of the Romanovs um, during the Russian Revolution. And I played a, a revolutionary who's this young innocent who was employed to teach the daughters how to wash their clothes. And um, and he didn't come into the play until halfway through, but it was the right age for me. That's another thing that happens at drama school. Quite often people are cast much older, and it's, it's a tough fact of drama school because it's a disservice to. In some respects, I think to the to the students from a casting perspective, it's a necessity to do the plays that they have to do. But I was cast my age, and that really helps, I think. And it was just a really endearing role and a really likable role. And a writer named Stephen Beresford saw me in that play, who who wrote a movie named Pride, which some of you may have seen. Um, and uh, and he saw me and recommended me to Howard Davis, and I was cast in a play at the National, with, um, which was led by Julie Walters, but also starred um, Helen McCrory and Rory Kinnear. And it was, there was only six of us in it, and it was, uh, it was just this disen- I left the term early to do that. And then I did a play at the Royal Court, which was really, really cool a Stenham play. And then I got a role in a, a series called The Smoke. Uh, which was a, a Sky One show. Well, that's nice. Um, and um, <laughs> You and about 17 other people, I think. Um, uh, but it was a great... We have
0: more whoops for peacocks over us.
1: <laughs> but you know what? It was an incredible... I made great friends, and in fact, Jamie Bamber, who was the lead in that show, was at my, was at my 30th birthday two weeks ago. Um, and uh, uh, and he really is... He's rivaled only by Hugh Jackman as the nicest man on the planet. Um, but, um, but I... Uh, so I did that, and it was during filming of that show, which was a wonderful experience for me and a formative experience for my screen career, um, I got this email from my agent, Lindy King, and, and it said Huntsman and Son on it. And I was like, Well, oh, what is this? And I opened it up, and there were two scenes in it. And one of them was this little kid, this little upstart kid, sitting down with this guy in a suit. And they have this kind of battle, and halfway through, the gentleman in the suit gets up and kicks the living daylights out of five hoodlums. And I read it, and I read the part, and it's never happened to me in my life up to this, uh, this point. I read it, and I went, this is my part. I've got to play this part. And it was, it was Kingsman. And I went along, and I auditioned for Matthew Vaughan, and it started... And I don't mean to sound presumptuous saying, this is my part. I knew that it was an astronomical chance of getting it. I absolutely knew that, but I just felt viscerally... I think. I just felt viscerally that it was my—I had to do it—and so I think I went to the audition with that in me, and that was the start of a sort of four six-week audition process, and I ended up getting the role, and that—that that was the start of my journey with Matthew Vaughan, who's been a huge champion of me in my career and and a great friend and and um, and someone I owe a huge debt to.
0: It's a very potent thing as a performer when somebody sees something inside you Absolutely. That, that you've never. Verbalise yourself, but it's it, it's it's very very strong.
1: Well, when someone you know, when the guy who directed the last X Men movie says to you, I you know I think you're special, I want to work with you, and puts you as the lead role in a movie that's a hundred million dollar movie, you know, I mean, you know it's like it, you're not in Kansas anymore. I- exactly, yeah, yeah. Who's Toto? Am I Toto or are you Toto? <laughs>
0: I think I look like Toto.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, Only for this role, though. (laughs) Um, But I, um, and that was a truly extraordinary experience, uh, is where I met met my girlfriend, who's here this evening, and and, yeah, and Matthew and I, you know, made a movie that we were, uh, and Colin too, you know, really, really proud of, and it was a great time in, in my life, but it was, you know, it's weird, you know, seven years obviously isn't a long time to a lot of people, but to me it feels like a really long time, I was 23 then and I'm 30 now, and um, it's been a wonderful, a wonderful thing for me and it's opened so many doors for me, Kingsman, and I will be glad to return to it next year for one last installment. Wow.
0: wow.
1: Yeah.
0: It's transformative. I and mean, did the did the physical aspect of the performance come natural to you? Well, yeah,
1: bloody hell. You know, I mean it's sorry, like, you know. I spent my teens in Rummer's drinking lager in Amherstith. So, you know, all of a sudden it's like chicken and veg and nothing but sparkling water for (laughs) four months. of a shock to the system. Um, But yeah, that was, but what I loved about that part is aside from all of the incredible action and and the
0: incredible
1: acts I was working with and a director of Matthew's pedigree, what was really, really wonderful about it to me was it felt like a character. In the way that Eliza Doolittle's a character, it's Pygmalion at the core of it, you know, mm. and that to me felt hugely exciting. And the thing about Pygmalion, or My Fair Lady, is that it's a really it's a really defined arc. And as an actor, that's what you want. You want an A and a B, and then you want to fill in between, and you plot it through scenes and important moments. Because you know, it's why everyone loves superheroes, it's metamorphosis. We want to see people change before our eyes. It's electrifying and I mean, I didn't think about it in this terms at the time, but that's what I felt in, a, on, on, a, in a, on a visceral level, that's what I was excited by about the character.
0: But those characters don't work unless an audience can relate to them.
1: Well, yeah, and exactly that's it, exactly. Yeah. And Eggsy just had this real rawness to him and this real r- reality to him. He was an angry young man, you know. I know that Matthew's inspiration for it Came from the London riots, you know, for that for that whole idea, you know, it, was, it, it you know, it was just a it just inc- incredible gift of, part, of a part. And Matthew and I have had our Barneys over the years, and he can be a bloody nightmare. But I tell you what, I love him with all my heart. I really do. I cannot thank you enough for doing that. That's for me. the
0: best relationship. Yeah, yeah. But also, it's not just a relatable character. I mean, I think you're you're a relatable performer. You know, we thank can. You, you know, what I mean, you, we we. we you, transform into all these characters that you play and you immerse yourself in. And there's that quality that, you know, that's what, what all leading men and leading women need, is that the audience can attach themselves to them and live through it. So you can be as dark as uh, as you can, or you could be as light as you can, or you can be as heavy or strong, but we're with you all the way. Thanks, Kelly. No, no, just yeah, what I what I see, and I, I, I bet everybody agrees with us. It's why we're here, you know, in that... But is that something... I mean, you're a very personable guy, and is is there a... a, Do you have to protect a lot of yourself um, when you're going into a role, or is it all in? Is it all two feet first? I I definitely
1: like things that feel like they require a bit of a leap away from yourself, you know, and things that feel like it's at least something of a departure, because then you feel creative, and... um, and I think I was—I always felt like Exe, although he was, you know, I, I, there was a great team of people who made me look very dashing, from a physical trainer to a great hair person to a wonderful makeup artist and great costumes. But you know, it still felt like a character to me. There was this guy, you know, he was like—I remember one of the first reviews for that movie referred to me as a bulldog of an actor with squinched-up features. <laughs> and and um, and my mum was like, "Oh, I don't like that," and I was like, you <laughs> ki- are you kidding? I bloody love it. That's great, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. But I but I felt, you know, I think that's what I like. I like that feeling of something you can completely throw yourself into. I like physicality in a role. I like, and, and above all else, above all else, you know, because there's always there's always strength written into roles. We see so much strength in cinemas, but vulnerability and true vulnerability, a true ability to be to sit with your feelings and, and, and acknowledge them and let them be a part of you and then to express them through a character. They're the performances that I admire. They're the things that I watch and, and really feel excited by and that's what I want to bring to my work.
0: you absolutely bring it. Really? Okay. <laughs> so the relationship with you, with you and Matthew and then there's another important relationship here which is Dexter Fletcher.
1: Who? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was in press camp. <laughs>
1: Um so yeah I mean you know Dexter and Matthew have this relationship that goes back I mean at least to uh, Lockstock and two smoking Bar- barrels which, which Matthew produced and Dexter uh, stole uh, in the roll of soap and um and um I remember about by five, 5 years ago I went to a gig at the Camden Roundhouse and uh no even before that when we were filming the smoke I was with an actor named Rashawn Stone going to get some food for lunch, and Dexter (laughs) comes racing past on his bike, Dexter never goes anywhere slowly, (laughs) (laughs) Any of you know him, he's he's manic, and he comes racing past on his bike, and I remember we had this very brief exchange, I remember thinking, you know, he's he's cool, he's a bit nuts, he's cool, and then, and then um, the conversation in about in early 2015 started about doing this movie, Eddie the Eagle, and, um, and I was at a Chance the Rapper gig, who's, uh, there we are, there we go. <laughs> Is it you who likes peacocks as well? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, uh, yeah, basically I was at that gig and Dex, sort of comes out of the crowd and comes up to me and goes, ah, oh, you are all right mate, how's it going, you know, with this, <laughs> yeah, 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 we've got to get together, we've got to have a drink, we got to get... yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he buzzes off again, you know. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, basically that was, the, that was the first time I properly met him and Matthew kind of brought us together and, and what happened was, you know, I read this script, this script which is called Eddie the Eagle and- um, What did
0: Eddie the Eagle mean to you?
1: I thought he was evil evil. I did, I had no idea, you know, it was the yeah. year before I was born, I think. And um, I, uh, so yeah, I remember at the, the very, I think it must have been the very start of, no, it was 2014 the conversation about that, started. so the start of 2015, which is not long ago, but it feels long ago to me, it, you know, it was, um, I was flown to New York for a screen test for the movie, because it was, this movie, although it's about Eddie the Eagle, it's a, it's a buddy movie, it's a buddy comedy drama, and Matthew and Dex had been agonizing over who, who was gonna play this world-weary, incredible, charismatic, charming, handsome, drunk coach. And Matt calls me one day, I'm at home, I'm in ABBA, you know, on the lash, having a great time. <laughs> and Matthew Vaughan calls me and goes, uh, I need you to fly to New York. I was like, well, I've only been, one, okay, right, fine. What for? He said, you're gonna do a screen test with Hugh Jackman. Oh, my God. So we went out uh, to New York, and me, Dex, and Hugh um, sat in this room and filmed this scene with me and Hugh. And we just, like, fell in love, for the three of us. And, and, and I discovered that I have a superpower, and it's not adamantium claws, but I can make Hugh Jackman laugh so easily. <laughs> I have got a power over him that you will not believe. And, and we just all really kind of... It all just felt really right, and so a couple of months later we went and we made this movie and um and I was very excited about it because what I said to matthew at the Eddie kingsman was i don't want to i don't want to be you know i don't just want to be i don't want to be i don't just want to be the the young the young guy the young you know I don't know. I don't want to be the young ingenue, you know, sort of same thing from, I want to play something completely different. And he and he brought this Eddie the Eagle thing, and it was so exciting. And we went and we made this movie in Germany, and it was beautiful. We were out in the snow, and it was just, we just had the best, best, best time. And um, and it, I believe, I believe, without wishing to be too self-congratulatory, I believe that it's, it's sure it's a simple, feel-good family film, but I, so bloody proud of it, and I'm so proud of what Dex did, and I'm so proud of what Hugh did, and me, and George Richmond, the DOP, and Matthew Vaughan, and everyone else was involved. And sadly, you know, it didn't quite, it didn't really land at the box office, you know? It was one of those that's hard to He didn't market. really land
0: the Olympics. So no, it's, it's, I mean? quite
1: right too, fair <laughs> yeah. play. Um, but do you know what? It remains just such a fantastic, formative episode in my life, and uh, and I'm so, so proud of it. If you haven't seen it, I so urge you to see it. In fact, watch it at Christmas. It's such a good Christmas movie. But, um, but uh, yeah, and that was a great, great time, and I made you know, and and that was that was, and when Dex and I finished that endeavor, we both felt very hungry to go on another adventure together.
0: Yeah. Okay, and so the process was, I guess. He's just moving into that phase, of the new phase of his career. Absolutely, and he, You know, yeah, and you know yeah. what I mean? And you're moving into a different angle. Of yours. I think
1: that was. I think that's a really lovely way of looking at it. And Dex himself has said that. You know that I think mm-hmm. in some respects is that he'd made two movies, but I think he, you know, he'd been an actor for so bloody long. You know, starting out with
0: yeah. babyface in yeah. Bugsy babyface. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But you know, um, and it was a new phase of his life as well. And um, and we sort of felt like we were going through that together a little bit. And, and, and honestly, I, st- I still do. You know, He and I did a Q&A last night, and uh, I really feel like we... And we said during the Q&A, you know, we, th- we both really want... I'd love me and Dex. Matthew too, uh, but I, but, I, but Dex and I, I suppose, recently with the incredible experience and the close experience of Adam Rocketman, I really think that moving forward over the next years of our lives that I think will go away and I think we'll come together and we'll go away and we'll come together and I, I really, really hope for that because I genuinely feel like I do great work when I'm, when I'm with him.
0: You're his uh, De Niro, you know, there we go. Maybe Leo. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you take that one, but yeah. it's, but it's, and, and moving on to, to with Rockin Man, because I, I mean, I, I think, first of all, Eddie Lee is a fantastic film and Thank you. It, it it moves it's moving and it's entertaining and a film is always there to be discovered forever yeah exactly you know? exactly. And, exactly and the message in it of you know when when you like when they announce Eddie the eagle the movie's coming out you go really and then you think about it and go we all just loved what that person tried to do you know and he captured the world, and 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 that's yeah, yeah. what the film does. And
1: I think that's that's the Dex's credit. That I think it's striking that balance mm. between something that feels you know almost borders on farce at times and has comedy and drama to make that feel. To make that feel, you know, to make that movie about him and for him to truly feel. Because the easy thing to do with Eddie the Eagle would have been to make him an, an idiot, you know, and I think. To be completely honest, there were there were bits of that in the script when when we first looked at it, and and de- what Dexter so deftly did was just struck a tone with it where, you know, I, I mean I don't even know how we did it, you know, because I'm not the director, but you know by the end of the movie you are bloody rooting for him, and he is the hero of the story, and and I think, and I say this about Dexter that that movie I think is. Deceptive, I think it. It's simple, but it's deceptive. I think it could very, very easily have been a train
0: wreck. Oh, completely! Uh, it's it's deftly done, and tonally you have to. Yeah. They get it right, and that w- which is otherwise. That's
1: the De- Dexter. Dexter is. Dexter the man. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that.
0: <laughs> and then when you with Rocket Man, I mean, we should, you know, I guess you've all seen Rocket Man. Come on. Yeah. And the nomination. Huh.
1: Grammys. That's pretty incredible. So my girlfriend and I were... I think I'd been like... It's like, you know, I'd been on Instagram that morning and someone would say congratulations on the Grammy nomination. And I was like... Loonies <laughs> on
0: Instagram?
1: <laughs> and then we sat, me and Emily, my partner, and, uh, and we both got pina coladas, you know, we're living the life. And... Uh, she goes, Baby, you've been nominated for a Grammy. And I was like, Shh, babe. What? And yeah, it was there. It was in my email. And it's like, I don't, it still feels like that must be a mistake. Ah, it's deserved. It's so. I mean, deserved. it's just mad. And, you know, and I think, the, and in all, sincerity, in all sincerity, I am nominated for this Rocket Mind Grammy for music for visual media. But the reason it feels ridiculous is because I am such a. Cog in the machine of that record. And if anyone should be nominated for a Grammy, it's Charles Martin. So um, whilst I am grateful for the nomination, um, it it would be remiss of me to claim uh, autonomy over that process because I, 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 I was part of it, but absolutely not the lead part of it, it was Charles Martin. But I am thrilled, absolutely.
0: Yeah, you've got to go to the do, come on. Oh, yeah, no, me and Giles, me and Giles
1: will be going together. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely.
0: Because watching Rocket Man and, you, and and the early years of, of that character, and I'm thinking, how, you know, at what point is the story, you know, you know when are we going to see you? When are we going to see, you know, Taryn playing Elton? And then that opening sequence from the bar yeah. just explodes with that sort of steady cam and the routine and the split the fourth wall and the multiple sets and you just go you are hit with this wave of energy and talent and in you know and choreography and you yeah. go, Okay, this is two artists, yourself and Dexter, really.
1: I think collided. also it's worth mentioning actually in that breath. The, uh, i think a big part of that sequence is george richmond who shot it and george richmond also um uh shoots kingsman and the uh, and you know those kind of uh sort of circling around uh one shot things is is characterizes his work and i think part of i think we all were quite in sync about what we wanted to do with that number um like I was a man possessed those four or five nights we were shooting that, you know, because I knew what Dexter was trying to achieve with it, and I knew what the movie needed at that moment, and it was this, this, you know, it was like, oh, here we go. And of course, you know, we had a little bit of help from Elton John and Bernie Torpin for writing a pretty bloody good tune. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, um,
0: so can I take you back to the beginning, to so the Rocket Man journey then? So how, yeah, how does
1: so. That... Um... Yeah. Okay. So we did a sequel to Kingsman called Kingsman: The Golden Circle, and basically, there's a scene at the end of it where I get married, and um, and Elton John plays the organ, uh, and it's Elton John. And and um, and I remember as we were filming it, um, I've told this story before. but as we, I was sat down in the the bit at the fr- the bit at the fr- I'm not great with religious terminology. The bit at the front of the church, but um, and basically I. The altar, um, the, al- the altar. Exactly. Yeah, I was at the altar, <laughs> and uh, and someone, uh, someone comes up to me, one of one of the ads, and says, "Oh, Sir Elton would like to meet you." And so I climb the stairs at the back and go up to you know the area that he's sitting in, chilling in, and um, and sit down with him, and it's like. Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, um, you know, even now I'm regressing, I, like it was just a cra- crazy, crazy feeling, I sit down and he just looks at me and he goes, you know, if I were five years younger,
0: <laughs>
1: it would be me you were marrying now.
0: <laughs>
1: and pretty much up to the conversation I had with the, on the phone with him yesterday, that's, that's kind of been what it's like. <laughs> But aside from that, he's uh, uh, has I would probably go so far as to call him a mentor of sorts, and has really become a huge, huge part of my life and been a great friend. And you know, the relationship has kind of evolved and mutated into something that's, uh, you know, so familiar now. You know, Emily and I went and stayed with them on holiday this year. It's been a crazy, crazy journey, and um,
0: but basically to go back. When did he, how did he know you can sing? When did he hear you sing?
1: Uh, so this would have been at the start of 2016, and about two months after that, which was, we were still filming, Andy Vaughan came to me and said, um, how do you feel about playing Elton John in the movie Bo's life? And um, <laughs> I said, well, I don't I'll just, you know, check my file of facts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh,
0: yeah. That's I only do titular roles, King you, of the yeah, wow, Eddie. God.
1: Yeah, I mean it was kind of mad, but I, I, I that was how it started, and, um, and then it probably wasn't until the following year. You know, it'd been mentioned and dropped in conversations here and there, and in between. That and when the conversation started in earnest, a movie called Sink had come out, and it was it's a kids movie. Thank you very much. Um, uh, sequel in the works for that one as well. I'm very pleased to about. Um, but there's, um, I play a gorilla in it, and uh, and it's a gorilla who's a sort of soul singer. Um, and uh, and the, there's a big number at the end of the movie where um, he sings, "I'm still standing," and I think that probably helped a bit. Yeah. Um, but um, it's so
0: moving. The dad breaks out of prison.
1: It's a get, really yeah, lovely yeah, bit. To, to hear it, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, thank you, man. You can tell you got kids. Um, I, uh, well,
0: you know, uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, uh, I one of no. my own.
1: <laughs> no, it's I'm really, you know, I'm really proud to be a part of it and excited for the new one. But um, I think that helped. Anyway, can get on with it. Um, so we were yes. That that's how the Rocket Man conversation started, and then probably at some point in uh, twenty late 2017, it was really felt like things were were heating up and. Dexter had come on board and basically what happened was there were conversations about who should do it and in my mind, and I think Matthews too, there was never any doubt that it should be Dexter. I, you know, I, I just knew what it had taken Dexter to get Eddie the Eagle into the shape it was and I knew that he had so much to offer and, and I was so excited to work with him again. And, um, and so yeah, that happened and we basically went to Abbey Road with Giles Martin, somehow Matthew managed to wrangle Giles Martin in to do the music. Um, for those of you who don't know, his dad is George Martin, the fifth Beatle. Um, and uh, yeah, at the start of 2018 we went to Abbey Road and we did this kind of pre recording, not pre-vis, but like a, almost like a test really of me sat at a piano and I sang your song and Don't Let The Sun Go Down On Me in a vintage Elton t-shirt that David Furnish gave me. and. Um, and and that was what we used to secure the financing from Paramount, and that was uh, and after that, shortly after that, it all started to come together, and we were sort of yeah, we were off to the races.
0: An amazing story, but sort of playing the role. What was your sort of entry point, sort of as, as an actor? Is it sort of spending time with him? Was it uh, yeah, observing him? Yeah, I, I, I think him? I think. I uh, yeah, it's a really weird one
1: because the movie's a bit weird, isn't it? It's not like it's not like, you know, I'm not doing an impression about him. I'm doing my version of him in a world
0: that... which is all you should do. Yeah, you should do. yeah,
1: yeah. But it's not. I'm not doing. I'm not mimicking him. I didn't. Thank you, lovely man. Which one? Thank you you. Uh, uh, oh, sparkling. I'm not driving. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, um, and. Uh, Yeah, basically, um, I I suppose, I I, I read the script and it starts with this guy walking into rehab and saying, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a drug addict, I'm a sex addict, I can't stop shopping, I can't stop smoking weed, all the rest of it. And you go, wow, well, these are really personal things to say. And it dictates the tone of the movie because it's a movie about someone unpacking who they are. Mm. Now, the, the way Dex and I spoke about it is that if you're doing that, you can do an impersonation is incredible skill and it transports you and it takes you to that world so well but movies where that works aren't the same as a movie talking about recovery and rehabilitation because that is such an intensely personal thing and it requires so much deconstruction of who you are as a person that it felt to us that what we needed to do was create a version of it that is a that is more me really that's a, you know you know Elton is angry and sad and confused and unhappy and you know I I can't be I can't be Elton John I can only be me and Elton I can't play Elton John's anger but I can play mine and so that's what we did and it's and it's all informed by me my own experiences and we wanted to try and create something that felt very personal so whilst I spent all that time with Elton Studying the music, watching videos of him. What I wanted to do, and I suppose it's that thing I said earlier about vulnerability. It's, you know, I can't play Alton's vulnerability. I can only play mine. And that's what we wanted to do. And I know I'm waffling and not making any sense, but I'm trying. I, it's, but it's. suppose it's about... You know, Rocketman is me, it's, it's, it's me, in, in, you know, it's my, it's, it's my personality as much as, it, it's my personality informed by my love of Elton, uh, expressing Elton's story, I think.
0: And, uh, and it's an extraordinary trajectory. No, no
1: one's going to be quoting that shit. time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's, it's, it's an extraordinary performance. <laughs> I think we'll quote it. <laughs> I think we're we'll quoted. I think we got some great shout outs. The Cabin in with <laughs> Peacocks has been done, Aberystwyth Art Centre. No, but bringing yourself to the role that's all a performer can do.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you exactly. know, and yeah, yeah. But that was at the forefront of my mind, I think. And
0: Was it exhausting? No, um, yeah, or did it. or energising? I mean, I guess it was
1: both, you know. I mean, there's no two ways about it that, you know, doing that performance, you know, doing crocodile rock on stage at the Troubadour is, yeah. is an exhilarating bloody thing. And likewise, Saturday Night's Alright for Fighting, I remember the studio came in that day and I burst into the tent to see them, Jim Gianopoulos and Whit Godfrey, two really, really wonderful men who run Paramount. And, uh, and they must have thought I was, they must have thought I was on something, you know, because I, I, I was just, I was like, guys, welcome, yeah, it's going really well, we're having a good time, watch this, I'm going back, I'm going to do it again. Um, but yeah, it's energising, but equally, you know, when you're sat in rehab and you're talking about, you know, like, you know, I have you know, like the relationship with the father, you know, my and my dad of our own, you know it's a lot. It
0: is a you know, it's like it's, Stephen McIntosh are beautiful in that. Yeah, I mean he and he's
1: a amazing you know, it, he is, you yeah. you it's a, it's a lot and you, you, sit, you sit in the role. I don't, I'm not someone who subscribes to this idea that you take a minute to come out of character and you've gone, you know, you're a man possessed but, you know, you're, 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 you're mining stuff that's, you know, you sit in with, with negativity some of the time. So it is hard work but also it's all expression and expression at its truest feels like flying. So you know, even when you're in a rage and you're
0: throwing a Bloody
1: chair, and you're angry. You know, there's catharsis and relief in that. So, although it's a negative emotion, you're doing it for the release. That's why we do these things. So that always, that always feels there's always a freedom in expression. And I feel that singing, I feel it acting. I felt it when I was a kid drawing. You know, so I'm really loath to make acting sound like hard work because it's not. It's an absolute bloody joy, and I'm lucky to do it. And uh, you know, and Rocket Man was absolutely the
0: the the, the best the best opportunity I've
1: ever had to feel free, and I felt free doing it, every day.
0: Well, it feels like it really matters. <laughs> and it matters to people. You know, your performances matter to people. Is, is there a performer, an actor that you work with uh, uh, that that really inspired you? Um, so, you know, I've, I've been lucky to work with, you
1: know... I've been lucky to work with so many people that inspire me, and... Um, for different reasons, you know. I, you know, I, I work with, you know. You know, I've, I've, you know, I've been so lucky. I've been on, you know, Michael Caine, and Christopher Walken, and you know, and uh, I suppose if there's someone who's, who springs to mind, I think Hugh Jackman for his, for his utter decency and his kindness and his humility, and his. And his ability to look outwards and be interested, rather than just being interested—not that other people are—but I think Hugh makes an effort to look out and and and, and invest and make other people. There's two types of high-status people. There are people I think, personally, if you, if most of this audience, who are probably older than me, will accept some wisdom from a jumped-up thirty-year-old. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that there are two types of high-status people, and one of them. Elevates their own status by diminishing other people, and then there are high-status people who bring other people up with them, and as a byproduct, their own status is elevated. And that's who Hugh Jackman is, and I always admire him for that quality. Aside from his incredible talent as an actor, dancer, singer, gym animal, <laughs> Wolverine, monster, there's nothing that I, I mean. Can't there must do, be the Taron Egerton
0: Hugh Jackman musical in the works. There must be. I honestly, I mean It's,
1: it's I. Um, I I I I normally swerve these questions. I would absolutely kill to do a musical with Hugh Jackman. I would kill, and it's of course it's an idea that we've discussed. But um, you know, just that's I think the,
0: Abras with our sender, Peacocks are going to do the costumes. <laughs> we're all gonna we're gonna it's gonna it's going it's got legs. It's definitely got legs.
1: Do you know he went to Aberswith when he was eighteen? Yeah, he went. Really? He, yeah, yeah. I think he went there with. I don't know. He was travelling around, but he was in Aberswith when he was eighteen. yeah. He did a really lovely video for me for Aversha's Arts yes. Centre when we screened Eddie the Eagle uh, and talked about going to Rummer's, which was a tiny fib, but it was a lovely <laughs> thing of it to do.
0: And So what is, you know, what does the future hold? What are, what are, the, where are the ambitions Taking.
1: Um, I don't know. Look, you know, I'm 30 and I can't play an instrument to any decent level of proficiency. I can tinker on the piano, I can tinker on the guitar, and I've got, I just know... That, exactly that thing, you know, that, that, that quality of freedom that comes with expression that I'm talking about with acting or drawing or singing, I just know there is a whole world waiting for me at the moment at which I apply myself to an instrument. That is absolutely at the front of my mind. My girlfriend bought me a guitar for my birthday. Um, uh, so that... Um, I want to play... Um, I want to play different... I want to play dif- I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to keep <laughs> It's very apparent I don't know what I want. I um I, I would like I want to keep feeling I want to feel stretched and I want to keep doing things that make me feel like I'm moving further and further away from myself and um and 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 and, and, try and aspire to portray people like the actors who I admire, you know, the the, the great the great chameleons the, you know, the Gary oldmans and the you know the the whacking phoenixes the richard burtons the the, the daniel DeLuces, you know I, the, those those incredible brilliant talented men you know that's what I want to strive for for those types of um for those types of careers uh and I don't know what else I want really happiness long life <laughs> that's
0: all. And you feel your connection with Wales strong? Look, it's completely unshakable.
1: I mean, I'm aware that that's a setup, you know, and everyone's aware that that's a setup for me to say something nice about Wales. And I only say that because, you know, I, I don't even feel, like, in some respects, I don't even feel the need to say it. It's absolutely where my heart is. It always will be. It's the greatest country in the world. Unless you've sat in a pub in Wales and watched the rugby, which personally I'm not that interested in, and sat with a group of people No, 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 you can't get across with that. <laughs> you can't derail me when I'm on a roll like that. You can't. <laughs> Unless you've sat in a pub in Wales with a mixture of people from all different generations, with you know, some drinking, some not, and here a room full of Welsh men and women strike up spontaneously in song you haven't lived and that is something that i uh, do now i will be doing it in two weeks time and i will be doing it when i'm however long i last you know but um but it's uh an incredible place i have uh, an apartment there my mother is there my two little sisters are there you know lots of my best friends are there i will be there in doesn't matter how many days but soon uh, (laughs)
0: You're an inspiration. Oh, thank no, you really thank are. You. you really are. It's a pleasure to meet you, to talk with you, to be here, what you're sharing. I've had the easiest job in the world to so just listen to this lovely man be so candid, so open, so honest. Um, and it's not just saying as Wales, because it's not, it's just an inspiration to watch somebody succeed in the best way, leading from the front. Not forgetting what's behind him and embracing the future, I think you are a super talent. I think you should play Richard Burton. There's <laughs> only one person to do it, and I th- hope you will join me in thanking Taron Edgerton. And this is just the beginning. Kingsman, Eddie the Eagle, Rocket Man. You haven't even reached orbit yet. It's been a real thrill. Thank S- you. Super, super thank brilliant. Ladies and gentlemen. Thank you.